Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, this is episode 154. I'm Paul Spain. And Nate Dunn. Welcome along, Nate. Always, I... always good to have you on the show. <laughs> Am I filling in the, the spot for two guests? Well, some weeks we like to have one, some weeks we like to have two. Uh, this week, uh, you're the man on the spot. And uh, hey, I'm looking looking forward to actually some of your comments on uh, the various bits of uh, happenings in the tech world, some of which you are closer to than others. Uh, but let, let's kick off talking about uh, the new HTC One Max handset. Now... We're not going to talk a whole lot about smartphones and gadgets on this episode, but uh, one that has uh, has come to light in in the last uh, few days is this new uh, huge five point nine inch screen and a uh, and a fingerprint sensor on this new phone from uh, from HTC. Now, of course, HTC you know pretty well known for their uh, their Android handsets and. Uh, also, they do a few Windows phone handsets, and in the in the years gone by, they did the old uh, uh, Windows Mobile before they got into uh, to Android. But they're most well known for the Android handsets, and so this is a um, uh, a pretty fancy uh, and pretty massive uh, Android handset, and it's got a fingerprint uh, fingerprint reader on the reverse. What's your thought on this sort of uh, this sort of size going for uh, you know? Heading towards a, 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 a tablet in uh, in size, uh, and, and hence I guess why that that phablet, you know, phone and tablet sort of uh, name sort of starts uh, starts coming into play for a, a handset of this size. Okay, anyone that follows me on Twitter will know that I'm a big Samsung uh, fanboy, and I think Samsung have proven the fact that have, I think someone I read on TechCrunch or somewhere where they showed a. a a, a um, diagram of all the different sizes that Samsung had available. It was ridiculous. They had sizes all over the place. So I think bigger is better for some people, but at least you've still got the option that the um, HTC One um, is a smaller size. And um, anyone who hasn't actually seen the HTC One, one of the biggest complaints about the whole Android versus iPhone or iOS um, uh, camps is the fact that um, Apple just does nicer, it makes nicer phones, like they're a lot nicer looking. So whether you think Androids are more powerful or have got better features, whatever. Um, but we finally got something in the Android camp that actually looks really, really good, which was the HTC One. And everyone that I've spoken to that if, and it's got an iPhone has actually said, if I was going to swap across to the Android ecosystem and aesthetics of the phone was a big um, deal, the um HTC One really is the only phone that I'd swap across to. So I think, yeah, the bigger size is a, a good option because it gives people, if they want the bigger size, they can. However, if they just want the, they haven't got ginormous uh, gorilla hands, um, they can go for, um, yeah, the smaller one. And then you can get, go even smaller, can't you? Because you've also got the HTC. HTC well, Mini. HTC have got the One Mini, the One, and and now the One Max uh, coming through. And the One Max sort of has a lot of the features of the, um, the you know, the HTC One, and it's also got a really big uh, battery. Talking uh, thirty three hundred milliamp hour battery, uh, which is you know compared to the. Uh, 2300 milliamp hour battery on the HTC One. Uh, it's also slightly bigger than uh, what's in the uh, the Galaxy Note 3 from uh, from from Samsung. Uh, but it does have a bigger screen too, because we're stepping up from Samsung's 5.7 inch screen to a 5.9. So these things are just getting uh, getting getting bigger and bigger. And you may think, oh well, that's only such a it's a 0.2 difference. But when you actually feel the phone in your hand, it it makes a massive difference. It, it, the numbers don't sound big, but when you actually get the phone into your hand, it, it is a big difference. And you know, one of the differentiators with H, with the, these models from HTC, uh, are the speakers that are actually on the uh, on the front of it. And yeah, the the experience was actually uh, pretty good with the HTC One. We haven't uh, we haven't seen the one uh, the One Max yet, uh, but I would expect that to be at you know at least as good because you've got uh, you've got even more space for them to. Uh, fire that that sound at you uh, from so yeah intre- interesting handset and i you know i think we will see this probably next year come from apple as there's you know broader variety of uh, of screen sizes you know at the moment still uh, uh you know apple with the uh, uh the four inch 
uh, display, uh, but everyone else now seems to be picking from small to large to to really suit um, the the user preference. So uh, I think it's good to see HTC have got something here that in some ways takes on the note. Uh, I don't think it's got a stylus though. Mm. Uh, as far as I'm aware. So that is one of the unique things about the Note 3. Now, talking about the Note 3, there's another product that launched alongside it um, and is now available here in New Zealand, which is the uh, the little smartwatch from, uh, from, from Samsung called the Galaxy Gear. Now, I've been playing with this for a little while and uh, it actually didn't, uh, we didn't quite get around to chatting about it last week. Uh, but um, I thought we should we should have a quick quick chat about it. So basically, you, the uh, the Galaxy Gear takes the Android uh, software and pushes it down into a little uh, watch. That uh, well, when I say little watch, it, it is actually little compared to some of the other smart watches and uh, uh, devices that I've played with. Uh, but a very capable uh, little device it doesn't have the sort of full power of a smartphone so for instance right now I'm looking through uh, my contacts that are on my uh, uh, my Galaxy Note 3 actually and I'm scrolling through those on the touch screen and at times it was a little bit jumpy there for a while it's now caught up with itself and it's uh, and it's very smooth uh, but I haven't worked out all the tricks for how to get around so I've um, while I've been talking, I've been trying to scroll, scroll through. I'm still on the A's, and uh, yeah, I admit I've probably got um, a couple of thousand contacts in my uh, yeah my contacts. But I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Oh, now I've hit hit the B's. Uh, but there are some things that aren't going to work so well on the um, on the smartphone. Um, you can actually uh, now looking at it because I didn't didn't use the. Uh, the address book on here before you can scroll on the right hand side through all the letters so you can actually qu- quite quickly jump through to where you want to uh, and then once you're uh, once you're in place away you go and you can start making a call so I'm just calling um, somebody now I'm just gonna hang I'm gonna hang up that call um, so you can actually uh, let me think so if your phone's paired in your car you could then, and you didn't want to use the voice recognition, obviously you can't touch your phone unless it's in a hand, a um, cradle, you could then dial. Well, actually... Why to, else would you use... Well, it, it saves you having to pull your, uh, your, your phone out of your, out of your pocket, but when you're driving, depending on how your hands are, it's probably going to be reasonably dangerous to try and pull your wrist so up you, so, so you can look at it and to actually dial from your phone that way. Uh, you're more likely going to be using the um, the Yes Voice, but you, but you certainly can uh, can use that sort of functionality if you if you want to. So the audio and you speaking actually go through the watch, is that right? You don't need to pull the phone out. Uh, there is... I'm just trying to... Why, why would you dial off the... Um, why would you dial off the, the watch? Because otherwise you're still going to get the phone out anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, good, good point. Um, there, I, I think there, there are a number of things I'm still trying to get my head around in terms of how these things, uh, you know, best work together. There, there is a speaker and and microphone in the watch, so there is a level of that that you can uh, that you you could do. But holding your watch up to your, you know. Mouse to talk is, I don't know, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem that natural. Uh, but the thing I, where, I found it, where I found it quite useful, um, and there weren't a huge number of... Whoops, I've just, uh, I've just set off the voice recognition. Um, the, the, the area that I found it most useful is because it's synced up to the phone and to all of the, you know, the things that are going on in your phone, uh, it's quite good in terms of reminders. Now, I'm sure uh, most of you probably missed a reminder on your phone. If you've got your phone turned down, it just sort of buzzes in your pocket. Sometimes you miss those things, or maybe your phone's on your desk or whatever it is. But when you've got the watch, which is attached reasonably tightly to your wrist, and that vibrates, you, that, feel, it. you feel it, and I will always flick the watch around to see what that reminder is. So in terms of reminders, I think, it's yeah, it's really brilliant for that. Uh, there's a built-in camera. Yeah, not so much excited about that. Uh, and and I think I mean different people are going to have different uses for um, you know for 
for the phone, I suppose. And you can control your media. There's a pedometer in there. So if you're into doing a lot of walking, running, that sort of thing, you might find that side of it uh, helpful. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I haven't fully got my head around who is going to be the sort of perfect target for this. I don't think it's a device that they're, they're yet going to sell lots of. Uh, and then there are other devices, of course, the uh, the TomTom the um, Multisport uh, GPS watch that uh, they've been playing with. Uh, that had some challenges in terms of uh, software, but I've updated the software, and that seems to be seems to be uh, a lot better now. Uh, but this is still a really new category, and I don't think it's going to be uh, mainstream, you know, any time within the you know within the next few months in terms of you know massive adoption like we're seeing with smartphones. Uh, but I think it is something that will grow. In adoption, probably you know over the next uh, the next two or three years as these things improve. Yeah. But like you said, you don't wear a watch. It's not you know not really of any interest to you. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of other people in that category. But uh, you know, sports and, and exercise uh, that's one area it could be useful. I think in the future, from a uh, uh, health and a medical perspective, uh, you know, doctors wanting to take various readings and so on. There's a there's you know there's a little bit of information that you can maybe get off uh, something that you're wearing. Uh, like a watch. So, what's the battery life like on it? Uh, I tend to charge this about every day. If you don't have it paired to your phone, then it then it's good. But actually, f- to, for it to work properly, uh, you need to have it paired to the phone. Yeah. Uh, and in that case, you're going to get, in my experience, you know, one one or two days uh, out of it. So you you probably at, at max, need, depending on how much you're using it. You probably need some sort of wireless, and I know it doesn't have it, but you probably need some sort of wireless charging that you could plug into the side of your bed, don't you? So you don't have to keep taking the watch off all the time. Because I, I, that's the other thing. If I was wearing it as, because this whole thing, I um, my interest was um, when Kickstarter did. Was it the Pebble? Was yeah, the very Pebble first Watch. One? Yeah, which had the e ink, which went for a lot longer because you're not needing as much power. So that would be my big argument that I, I reckon you need to get at least a week out of it. Yeah, it Otherwise is quite it nice having the, having the color screen. It does it does feel nicer. And we tried the uh, the Spanish smartwatch uh, going back earlier on in the year as well, which is a full color screen. Again, uh, didn't last for that long. That one let you install apps on it. So so does this one. Uh, Samsung have a catalog of apps and so on that uh, that can actually be fed in there. It won't just take any Android app, but uh, you can uh, you can link link them through off your uh, off your phone. Uh, so yeah, I, I I don't think it's a uh, you know a complete disappointment, but I think there's there's certainly a room to go with this technology, and yeah, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep watching it. Sony, of course, are uh, just in the process of launching their uh, their second uh, Android uh, smartwatch as well. So uh, there there's there's a bit of competition out there. Uh, now, other updates. What else have we got going on? Um, Windows. Windows 8.1 comes out uh, this Friday. It becomes generally available to uh, to the the broader public. Anyone with Windows 8.1 in terms of the, the standard uh, consumer or professional versions, uh, it's a free upgrade to uh, from Windows 8 to 8.1. Uh, so if you're, you're on 8 now, uh, if you're running the Enterprise Edition, then you need to be uh, appropriately licensed to keep those uh, those upgrades coming through and to get access. Uh, the other thing that Microsoft have done in, in recent years is to line up the release of their server versions with their desktop version. So uh, also coming out is Windows Server 2012 uh, R2. Now, Windows 8.1, I guess one of the big things was bringing back the start button. Even if it doesn't bring back the start menu, that was massive. Eh? Uh, you, there was also a, um, a not an app, but a, um, a thing that you could actually put your start button back, couldn't you? Yeah, there are, there are a bunch of apps for that, and uh, you know some of the companies like uh, Dell and and, and uh, Lenovo have been uh, bundling those sorts of things with some of their Windows eight uh, machines. So yeah, you, you've I mean you've certainly had those those options uh, in the past, but I think. Yeah, Microsoft are trying to take a little bit of a halfway point that, look, here's your start button so you're not completely lost, uh, but the start menu from their perspective is gone or, or, you know, put it another way, the start menu is now a start screen that takes up your whole screen, uh, much like the, I guess, in Microsoft Office where you used to have a file menu, you hit that and it gets the what they call the backstage view that, hey, takes use of all of the screen rather than just a little bit to uh, to show you all the options and so on. Hmm. 
so, I mean, there's a whole bunch of features there in, in Windows 8.1. Uh, one of the ones I really like is that Miracast is brought in uh, for that wireless display between your, uh, your Windows 8 laptop or tablet and TV projector. A lot of those are starting now to have uh, Miracast built in which is great, uh, or you can get, like we were talking about uh, an episode or two back, you can get uh, one of the little boxes from Netgear, etc., that will add that capability. My main disappointment, though, with Miracast is there does seem to be a chunk more latency than with some of the other wireless uh, protocols, such as Intel's uh, Wi-Di. So if you're looking up at your TV and you're controlling your mouse, there's a it's quite laggy on the screen, which can be quite confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that will that will probably improve over time, um, or in most cases, you'll be able to run Intel's uh, Wi-Di, uh, you know, software which has less uh, lag. It's not not really so noticeable. So uh, that's that's worth noting. Um, a lot of features through also on the uh, on the the server side of things from Microsoft. So I think a lot of businesses uh, will be looking to uh, to push through. Although traditionally businesses tend to stay you know, somewhat behind the eight ball, don't always get the very uh, latest. But maybe with this R two release, we'll see more businesses at least rolling out uh, Windows Server uh, to 2012, um, which actually has some pretty impressive uh, features from a uh, from a business perspective. Uh, one of those we may jump back in on when we um, when we chat about uh, HP's uh, micro server if we get a chance to uh, cover that this week. Um, now, in, in other uh, news relating to Windows, uh, Microsoft have today announced uh, their third update for Windows Phone 8. So this is quite interesting for Microsoft. They used to be, you know, very much a slow uh, a slow mover with software releases. It was you know three to five years between uh, uh, Windows versions. And, you know, we've just obviously seen uh, Windows 8.1 launching this week, just a year after the previous uh, version. And there's, you know, Server 2012 R2, again, you know, 12 months after the previous one. Uh, this third update for Windows Phone 8, uh, that comes within uh, within a period of about a year. And Windows Phone 8.1 is, uh, is on its way, we believe, in the first quarter of next year. Uh, now... Nate, you've been a big Android fan, but you've been, uh, I guess, watching Windows uh, Windows uh, Eight come along, come a, Windows Phone Eight come along, and uh, one of the one of the features that they've announced or they'd announced previously was that they were going to allow users to get earlier access uh, to these new versions of software, which they've done today with this update three. So rather than wait for Nokia or HTC or Samsung or whoever makes the phone, rather than wait for uh, Vodafone or whoever the carrier is, uh, users can go out and get that update three today if they want in the form of a developer uh, a developer update. The only downside is quite a major one. They say this could void your warranty with the phone maker. Um, what, what, no. what do you think? No biggie. No biggie at all. So you could completely, potentially, brick your phone or... Um, Oh yeah, that's I mean, it's pretty unlikely the update is going to cause any issues. I don't think they're going to release famous, it famous unless, last words. unless they're very confident. I mean, a lot of people have downloaded it today. I haven't seen any tweets for anyone that's had an issue. Yeah. Uh, it's an over-the-air update that's very easy to do over Wi-Fi. Uh, you probably do it over 3G as well. Uh, I did it today, and it's just the same as the previous updates. And apparently it's the release version of the update as well, so it's not a beta this is a full one. It just, I guess in some ways, uh, is like a, sort of a halfway point between where they were before and where Apple is. Yep. Of course, Apple gets to the point of saying, we're ready to release this update, and they just push it out to all phones worldwide, or they give you the option yep. uh, to, to, you know, to download it. Yeah, a bit like how Chrome just, we all reboot Chrome, the browser Chrome, mm. and um, it'll be the latest version. Like they don't have versions like Internet Explorer or Firefox do, mm. and mm. it just updates. I think with the whole updating reboot, and I'm sure you've had it working in IT, that that absolutely sinking feeling when you update, say, a server or a desktop, and you reboot it, and it takes that little bit, you know, those few seconds long to boot back up, and you think, oh, is, is it, is it going to come back on again? Is my whole afternoon just being blown while I try and rebuild this box because it's decided not to like this update? And yeah, I would be very careful. 
Uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. I, th- I mean, I think the caution is, is uh, you know, is what Microsoft are encouraging people wrap around the, you know, these updates, and they're saying, hey, this is for developers to get used to it. But yeah, realistically, probably there'll be a lot more enthusiasts than developers that are uh, downloading this, and the hoops that you have to jump through. It's very easy to get one of their uh, their free. Uh, uh, developer type accounts there is a paid developer account but there's also uh, a free one plenty of info online how to do that and uh, and once you've done that it only takes you know 10 or 15 minutes to uh, uh, you know download the update and uh, just a bit more to uh, to install it so it's a, it's a pretty quick uh, process you know over the year um, so yeah quite cool uh, in terms of features that are coming through on that one, this is the one that sort of, I guess, brings uh, Windows Phone 8 more in line with Android from a, a high-end phone perspective. So up until now, uh, Windows Phone 8 is only run on dual-core-based uh, uh, smartphones, yep. which in some ways has been a reflection of that it's a very efficient uh, operating system and hasn't needed as powerful a phones as maybe what Android has required. Um, that's certainly what some people would say. Uh, but on the flip side, it also hasn't had high defini- super high definition uh, display support, but they've brought that in with this update as well, so that we're going to start seeing new phones. Uh, there's a 6-inch uh, phone due from Nokia that's going to have a full HD uh, display quad-core processor, and we're expecting that one to be... Uh, become available fairly uh, fairly soon internationally too and you know probably not too far behind into the uh, into the New Zealand market so mm, mm. i mean it's yeah it's it's fascinating to see how uh, how Nokia really are trying to cover all the possible bases in the same way that we're seeing from uh, from Samsung and others with all those different form factors and options and, yeah. and sizes of smartphones from the you know 200 and something dollar phone up to the uh, you know thousand dollar plus that's very similar to that um and completely different technology set but uh, the asus offerings that we saw probably six months ago where they weren't really sure if you know they had the normal laptop they had the laptop that was a tablet they had the big tablet that was also a desktop machine that you could use very similar to their sort of offering like they're not really sure what's going to take off so they think well the safest bet is to put a horse in every race and um whichever one takes off will then start pumping money behind it yeah yeah i think uh you know they've got to have those lower cost uh you know phones for the mass market and that's you know where we're seeing the the yeah, huge uptake in uh, in smartphone sales now is probably in that uh you know 250 to 500 dollar price uh, category uh certainly at the lower end of that we're, we're seeing a lot of uh you know sales and but it, but it's at the higher end where yeah they they can make a lot more money per handset so they they kind of want to cover those bases as, as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so but I think that's positive news for uh, for Windows Phone users anyway that uh, uh, Microsoft are, are making it a little bit easier to stay current and you don't have to sit around and wait for your you know your mobile carrier to maybe uh, approve that if you want to get the latest and greatest features uh, right now. Uh, and uh, yeah, whole uh, yeah, bunch of features in there. One which um, the Associated Press picked up on and has landed in the Herald and Stuff.co.nz today as uh, a as a driving mode. And this is quite cool because what it what it does is it allows you to indicate that a particular Bluetooth device, uh, when you are actively connected to that, that you want to go into driving mode. So, for instance, when I jump into my car, head home, head to the office, wherever I'm going. You know, as soon as I'm in my car, it recognises. Hold on, Paul's synchronised with his car stereo or whatever Bluetooth setup you've got in your car, and it drops it straight into that uh, that driving mode. And when it's in that mode, it suppresses some of the things that would normally flash up on your screen and potentially be a distra- distraction, uh, which I think has uh, you know has has some merit. Also, does something that Vodafone were were offering uh, some time ago which uh, was, I think, somewhat clunky. They were offering an option where you could send them a text to a particular number and then until you texted them back, uh, it would basically send an auto-reply to all your messages to say, hey, I'm driving. And while that seemed like a good idea, I just could never see myself likely to ever remember to you know, send it to turn it on, or if I did turn it on, remember to turn it off again once I got out of the car. So having that actually built in at a smart level that it knows you're driving... And it can, you know, do that for you if, if you choose. Uh, then, you know, hey, 
that's that's kind of cool. So that service from Vodafone, because I remember them launching it, so I just had a quick search for it, is, mm-hmm. uh, it was called DriveSafe. So I suppose the, the benefit it does have is if you don't have a smartphone, uh, you can easily switch it on. But I had the same thought that you did is... Um, it needs to be automatic. It needs to have some sort of trigger, whether it's um, connected to a headset or whether it can detect that, you know, realistically. You're, you're going at 100 k's an hour, so you can't be walking all No, anything over, say, f- <laughs> 10, 12, 15 k is realistically not yeah. you walking. Yeah. So it kicks in and then as soon as you um, slow down. I don't know if I'd use that feature. I've got um, a Bluetooth uh, car kit in my car, so the whole, and I can control um, answering and um, hanging up calls using my stereo. So, like for that, that would be the worst thing because I do a lot of calls on the on the road. Just basically. likewise, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want them on to the do industry, it either. But, but I know there are some people that yeah. uh, that that would prefer not to uh, not to talk while while driving. So, uh, and it's it, got that whole automatic thing. So it's already got a one up on the the Vodafone's drive safe. So. So yeah, I mean, again, it's it's good to see uh, you know Microsoft have got a few new uh, new you know tricks in their uh, in their toolkit there. Uh, I think probably one or two other areas where they've still got uh, you know they've they've still got uh, you know a little bit of a way to go. But uh, you know, in general, this is uh, this is a good good update. So um, bring on more new innovation with our smartphones. I say. Now uh, next up. Uh, Unisys. Now, this is quite interesting. Unisys is a big, big tech company that's been around for decades, and not really a company I uh, I, I tend to pay too much uh, attention to. I've got to say, uh, but I had a um, a little update from them last week, and they've they've come up with this new product uh, called Ford. Which I guess, from their perspective, is the the next next step forward for them. Uh, but uh, for those that are, I guess, in the um, uh, the the you know enterprise space, and I know we have uh, you know listeners who are who are involved in uh, running technology for big corporates, for universities, for government departments, and the like. Um, this is the sort of technology that uh, that that may interest uh, some of those. It's it's uh, I guess drawing down some of the things that Unisys have learned in their in their uh, main frame business and bringing it down to uh, uh, you know create uh, some some pretty uh, hefty infrastructure that can uh, virtualize Linux and Windows and uh, Unix and so on on uh, on some you know really really powerful and uh, you know exceptionally fast uh, servers that have the uh, the Intel uh, the Intel technology inside them so I won't dive into too much uh, detail there uh, this time around but um, certainly you know worth a look if um, you know if you're in that sort of space and uh, and wanting to keep up with the play with what the big boys um, I IBM and and and, uh, and and others are doing. It looks like uh, Unisys are, are really working hard here to stay uh, to stay extremely competitive. So, uh, if anyone is going to roll one of these out, I'd be interested to um, yeah to hear what you think. Cool. Now, the other end of the scale. Last week we talked about uh, HP's new uh, micro server, the uh, the Gen Generation uh, Eight uh, micro server. And uh, yeah, we've been having a little bit of a play around with uh, with with one of those here, and I just wanted to uh, to give my feedback. So um, um, HP shot one of these down um, from their uh, uh, corporate um, head office there in, um, in in Silicon Valley a couple of weeks or so back, and uh, yeah, we've we've been playing around. Um, now this is a really interesting server because now you had a look at it before. It's pretty. It's pretty small, isn't it? As far as uh, as far as sort of you know servers go. It's. I mean, it's a different form factor than the Completely usual. Completely different form factor. Um, you know, server you'd come across. You know, there are not many vendors that are doing anything quite like it. Yeah, because you've got you you you've got your sort of one U, which is um, one or two U or four U, which is designated for data centers. So it's very very the, wide. The, the rack unit sort of me- measurement, which is. Uh, what is it? Uh, an RU uh, uh, about an inch and a half or yeah. something? They're not very high, but they're designed to be stacked up. So you've got that. Yeah. You've got your old school sort of tower configuration, which is higher rather than wider. Then you've got your desktop, which is normally wider and higher. And th- this thing's sort of more square. And it's uh, looking at it, it's like, well, it doesn't really fit into any of your more um, common form factors. Like you wouldn't put that into a rack in a, serv- in a data center because you're wasting space, and which is obviously wasting money. Um, but it, it's quite a nice little unit. You could easily have it sitting on the um, corner of the desk or off to the side. It you know it doesn't use from reading the specs. It doesn't make much noise. 
um, it's quite a tidy little unit and it's got that really nice um, display panel so you open it up and you've got four drive um, bays which we were talking before you don't need to use um, HP is that going to get me in trouble you know you don't have to use HP things yeah I mean, you're, recommended. You're, you're not you're not forced to use their drives because they you know you could put a generic driver in there and they give you a trade to uh, you know to put it into and you know the pricing of these varies according to what your configure you know your configuration is but you know I think they've sort of certainly start you know well under that the thousand dollar mark in uh, you know in, in New Zealand and you know the interesting, um, you know, or the what I thought was a sweet spot for these was as a as a home server. And in fact, I've got one at uh, at home for that sort of uh, that sort of purpose. Uh, but but also another uh, another use that uh, um, I've come across, sort of, I guess, uh, you know, probably in smaller businesses, but there might be other situations where uh, where these might fit, is with the uh, newer versions of um, of Windows Server. So a lot of uh, you know businesses have got maybe you know one, two, three, you know, not a whole lot of servers. And uh, you know they haven't had a, a, a method of replicating those. Should you know should one of them uh, you know, blow up or something major happen? Um, but with the new v- Windows Server 2012 um, and somewhat improved in the 2012 R2 is uh, Hyper-V Replica that, that allows um, an organisation basically replicate all of their virtual uh, servers across the network, uh, either a local LAN or even a, you know, over an internet connection and a VPN and so on, um, allows them to replicate a, uh, a, a, a server from, uh, you know, from one to another. And as Nate says, you know, you can fill this thing up with uh, four hard drives. You could get over 10 terabytes in there if you wanted. Uh, and so you could uh, you could replicate a whole bunch of uh, of servers, uh, you know, from a, a high end expensive server with all its redundant power supplies and all of those things, um, onto uh, onto one of these boxes as uh, a, as a sort of a secondary uh, mechanism. Now, sure, that's not going to be a fit for uh, a lot of businesses. They need something much more powerful than one of these little micro servers. But for a business that doesn't have any form of replication today. Uh, it is potentially a, uh, a reasonably affordable mechanism through uh, through which to do that, and because Microsoft are giving away that replication capability, uh, and there's no need to have sort of expensive, uh, you know, iSCSI SAN type uh, storage, uh, it uh, yeah, it's it's reasonably affordable. So um, yeah, might be worth a look for one or two people. Now. Uh, also, I guess uh, somewhat, somewhat businessy, or, or somewhere in that sort of crossover between uh, business and consumer technology, uh, is that uh, situation where you might have an iPad or an Android tablet, uh, but you want to get in and do some work. Maybe you're travelling, or who knows, you know, what, whatever your situation is. But you want to do some work, and to do that, uh, you have to link into your office, and uh, you might have a, a terminal server, what they call a remote desktop server these days. Um, now, in the past, Microsoft hasn't had an app for doing that uh, on iOS or on uh, on Android, uh, but they've just um, announced that they've got apps coming uh, now for those platforms. So, again, I guess this is a sign of the new Microsoft that isn't so scared of um, of other people's sort of competing uh, tablet platforms to theirs, and uh, they're, you know they're starting to make more and more. Uh, products available that make those platforms even more useful from a uh, business perspective. Nate, what's your take on this? Um, hence, though I used to have a Galaxy Tab, and it was a fantastic device. And the one thing that would push me over getting, um, I've since sold it because I can do everything on my phone, but the one thing that would push me over getting a, a Windows tablet is the whole fact you can do remote desktop directly off it. And anyone that's supporting any sort of software or clients, or whatever, there's always inevitably that phone call where you're sitting. Um, you know it's a two-second fix. If you could just quickly remote desktop onto the server, change this flag or or delete this file or whatever, it would save your client a lot of pain. Um, so it's, it's nice to be able to see that they are going to um, move across to the different platforms because that was always a big pain. You could always get, the, I can't remember even the apps. There's all uh, different I, apps ITAP with- was kind of the, was one of the main uh, main apps that uh, you know people people would tend to buy uh, in order to do you know do this remote desktop type thing from uh, from iPad etc and Microsoft have actually taken uh, taken their technology and then they're building a whole lot of new stuff uh, on top of it for those new new products yep 
So, yeah, no, it's good. I think it's awesome. Oh. Um, you, and, you know, the other um, way you could always do it is LogMeIn had a, a quite a full-featured app. Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah. There, was, there was ways around doing it. There are it, other ways of doing really, it, yeah. Remote desktop is the best way to do it. But I this reckon. is nice because uh, coming from Microsoft, they generally make those tools available for free, which is uh, is great. Uh, and so, yeah, so that, that's uh, that's coming through. And and there's some new features that are coming through in terms of capabilities that uh, that weren't there in the past that I think uh, you know businesses will uh, will will appreciate as well. And also coming even to the Mac, so they're improving the uh, remote desktop capabilities. Uh, on Mac OS X, which again is sort of somewhat unheard of for uh, you know for Microsoft to make competing platforms actually uh, you know work with Microsoft products uh, you know on a on a similar sort of equal standing, I guess to uh, to Windows. So mm. yeah. Now uh, jumping back to smartphones, uh, you know we've heard for a long time that you know there are these new flexible screens that are you know. Uh, yeah, being being um, that that have been invented and 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 you know can be commercialised, uh, and f- you know for some time we've heard rumours that someone's going to release a phone with a flexible screen, hasn't really happened uh, until now, and there's details have come out of the Galaxy Round and the LG G Flex now, not. Exactly flexible screens in uh, in my book. They've both basically got curved screens, but uh, you know you're not going to be able to take the whole phone and 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 fold it up and so on. The rest of the electronics wouldn't uh, wouldn't take too kindly to bending. It's it's really just the screen that can do it. Are these useful, Nate, or is this just a, a sort of a you know uh, a gimmick to do something uh, a, a little bit different? I mean, looking at the uh, the the LG. Uh, uh, G Flex. It looks kind of uh, you know kind of fancy with its uh, uh, you know curve, um, and there's something maybe natural about you know having a bit of a curved phone if you want to you know How's um, it gonna hold it in, in your, your chin. In but, your pocket. It's um, the only thing I could think of. Is it's going to take up more space, isn't it? Because it's going to have a, it's going to have a bulge. And then I can also think let's. But you could turn it turn it round on its side so it goes with the curve of your leg, Nate. Oh, there you go. I, I, They'll have to have different models depending on uh, you know how uh, what your BMI how, is. Yeah, <laughs> how curvy you are. That would be a good way to do your model numbers. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'd have to have a try of one. I might rave about it, but to me, it just seems a little bit dumb, if I'm honest. Yeah, it, it seem does seem quite uh, quite gimmicky, doesn't it? But mm-hmm. anyway, wait wait and see. Uh, but uh, there we go. That's uh, the next step of. Uh, well, development in the uh, in in the smartphone uh, space. Now, jumping uh, jumping back to uh, things happening locally, Zero have uh, have raised a chunk of money, and in fact, they haven't raised it locally. This is uh, really coming prim- primarily out of the US market. Uh, announced this week, one hundred and eighty million dollars in additional uh, capital that That's- goes straight into their uh, straight into their pockets. So, so that they can do. Uh, they can do new things. How good is that? Yeah, so it is. A, it's one hundred eighty to eighty million New Zealand dollars. And I was reading today; it's a mixture of the original uh, venture capitalists, one of them being Peter Thiel, um, one of the guys behind fa- Facebook. Is it not PayPal? Facebook. Um, so they've done another round of f- uh, round of funding. And anyone that I think's launched product in my mind, it's quite easy to do. I think the three you've got the UK, Australia, New Zealand. It's quite easy to. Um, move across those three markets. We've got very similar ways that our, um, say, justice system works. Um, you know, we're on the Commonwealth. Da 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 da. It's really that jump across to the US that's the big one. And I think Zero have realised that if they're going to take Intuit, am I pronouncing that right? I've only ever read it. Intuit on, um, they're going to need a lot of money to be able to do it. It's very expensive running a business in the US, and Intuit's massive. Yeah, I mean they're the number they're the number one player in accounting software, you know, globally. The market capitalization of you know somewhere in the direction of nineteen billion uh, US. Yeah, they've got many. I'm I'm guessing sort of tens of millions of customers uh, in in total, and you know, totally dwarf zero as they exist today. Mm. But with this investment, uh, I guess the question is. How long will zero be dwarfed? Because this uh, this really gives them uh, what what Rod Rod is calling uh, you know a, a war chest to really be able to go out and uh, 
you know, uh, you know, battle battle it out with uh, with competitors such as Intuit. Yeah, and the um, the last announcement I remember reading before um, this announcement of money was the fact that they've opened a call center in Denver. Um, so that's another um, group on the ground. So they've got San Fran. I think they've just got San Fran and Denver. Obviously, the UK and Australia, New Zealand. So, yeah, they're going in all guns are blazing and this extra, I think one of the analogies I read was about it just makes the runway a lot longer. So they're not going to end up running out of runway and running out of um, cash to keep the the engines going. So, you know, it's great. And that, I think, was it straight on the announcement, the share price jumped 10%, I think it was? Yeah, so there was a hold on uh, trading of the, of the their shares, as they said. There was, uh, you know, they were, they were uh, getting ready to make an announcement about this uh, this injection of, 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 of capital, uh, capital raising. And, uh, you know, once they came out of that sort of holding uh, pattern, which, which ran for, I think, a couple of business days, uh, then, uh, yeah, there, there was an immediate jump in their share price, which had been just under 18 uh, New Zealand dollars. And uh, that is now uh, uh, about 20.5 cents. And how much, we were talking before we started, what did they originally float at? Uh, Well, I remember um, many years ago buying some at 90 cents. Now, uh, uh, I think that was about $5,000 worth of uh, of shares. And, um, well, it would be very nice if I had just uh, kept that aside and not done anything with it, uh, because that would now be... Ah, worth uh, over a hundred thousand um, dollars. Ouch! But anyway, everyone now knows uh, what a poor investor I am. On uh, certainly on this this occasion, because um, I think we we were also talking about wasn't there was the share price even dropped below a dollar? So if you'd yeah, if, well, if you'd well, bought up big initially and decided that it was a long term investment, not a sort of quickly grab them and then they pump up and then and then dump them off. Um, yeah, twenty times return. That's a that would make any fund manager just yeah mm. be amazed. Yeah, there's a lot of people that have done really really well uh, out of this, and I think you know there's there's a, there's a whole bunch of lessons to be learned uh, from this. But I hope it encourages uh, you know New Zealand investors in particular to get behind uh, you know some of some of our uh, you know some of our smaller. Uh, tech startups that do need a bit of funding in order to uh, to grow. Uh, you know, this isn't the only uh, tech startup we've you know we've had that's done well, but it, it's certainly uh, you know head and shoulders uh, above above the rest. And you know, not not every investment is going to be like this, and I'm sure some of them will go in the uh, in the other direction too. Uh, but you know, we, we've we've got a you know a bunch of firms in New Zealand uh, that are there to uh, invest and and help our uh, you know various firms tech and and so on uh, grow. Uh, we cover those topics off a bit more in the New Zealand Business Podcast. So uh, anyone that's interested in hearing that uh, or a bit a bit more uh, you know around the the businessy topic should listen into the New Zealand Business Podcast. Uh, and we've got a new episode that launches this week uh, where where we um, we talk to the head of um, the Kiwi Landing Pad in San Francisco, where, of course, Zero and a number of other uh, uh, you know quite successful New Zealand tech startups have been through to establish their presence uh, in in the US. So uh, that one's well well worth uh, well worth a listen. Now, so jumping jumping back to zero, yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot more we could uh, we we could probably say there, but there, there's plenty of coverage online if you're interested in hearing more uh, more about that. And uh, yeah, if you want to do some uh, number crunching in terms of potential, I mean, we, you know, we, we're hearing in the U.S. alone, there's uh, what is it, something like uh, 25 million uh, small businesses. Uh, so. With zero going after uh, not just the US but uh, global market, if they can actually, uh, you know, win any sort of sizable uh, percentage of that uh, market as people move on to a cloud-based accounting system, um, you know, there's a potential that those uh, those numbers, I guess, could. Uh, could keep growing, so uh, yeah. But uh, don't take advice from me on these uh, financial matters. Talk to uh, <laughs> talk talk to a pro. Uh, but uh, the, the, anyway, there's a few bits and pieces to uh, uh, to get people uh, thinking because I'm sure uh, 
there will be, you know, with, with this recent capital raising, there'll be more people sort of starting to think about whether they should uh, should be, you know, investing in zero, even though it's gone up a, a huge amount. I guess it doesn't mean that it necessarily stops here, right? What mm. What do you think, uh, Nate? I mean, you've built a you've built a business uh, in in 3Bit and, and your other um, Australian sort of business entity uh, in in developing software that sort of sits around zero. How are you finding that uh, that market for you? It, it is a, it's a great little niche to operate in for us because once you've got all your processes and libraries and everything down, you've got such a head start on any competition that you're able to deliver solutions cheaper and quicker than anyone else can. And you can also become a bit of an expert in that niche. So we've we've found that um, with Zero, we also do some work with a company called Autotask, which is more mainly for IT IT companies that sort of managing all their their um, clients and tickets and all that sort of stuff. So. But that's not just us. If you go to the Zero site, there's a whole ecosystem. And I know Rod's been a big push of the whole fact of not only um, getting Zero up, but also the fact of actually helping encourage and nourish that ecosystem. Because um, like Workflow Max, which is now owned by Zero, good way to keep track of um, like tickets and other things off to the side, which you can plug really seamlessly into Zero, and it reduces. Um, double keying where you're having to type data into two systems it just it also just works really nicely together so yeah, we're, we're really um, encouraged by Zero's growth and it also it, it means good things for not only us as custom plugins but also for everyone else that's got um, plugins that also interface into Zero's APIs as well Good. Uh, now, a couple of other little local bits. Uh, iTunes Radio is expected to uh, launch in Australia and New Zealand early next year as sort of the uh, the rumours that we're uh, we're hearing from um, from one or two uh, reasonably reliable sources, so uh, that's good to see uh, see Apple coming into that space. I mean, we, we've really got uh, uh, you know a, a, a whole bunch now of uh, of options in that kind of uh, yeah, music streaming uh, space. But here we go; we've got uh, Apple also uh, coming coming into the local region now. The other one that we were waiting on, and we heard some announcement uh, oh, just a few weeks back, was uh, Kickstarter um, being able, being able, being I guess having an official um, uh, ability to take projects that come from uh, Australia and New Zealand. And as of today, um, yeah, that that that's kicked off. So uh, if you've got some idea that you want to launch on Kickstarter, some new business. Uh, then yeah, you can jump in and uh, you can you can jump in and do that from uh, from from uh, now I believe. Uh, and so you can you can add projects on. From what I'm reading, it doesn't. It kicks off officially in November, 13th. doesn't it? November thirteenth is yep. when you'll actually be able to uh, um, yeah list list those things when they'll they'll be visible to the public. Is that right? So you can start lo- building your Kickstarter project. Uh, but they won't actually kick off in, until November. So for anyone that doesn't know what Kickstarter is, um, Kickstarter is fantastic. It's like a market, really, in, in its essence, where I can, I've got an idea about, say, wallets are really popular. And I remember reading a blog post about how popular they were. So let's say I've got a, a really cool way of designing a wallet or whatever it is. Um, I want to pump out, say, 10,000 units. It's obviously very expensive. And then what I can do is I can sell you as an um, investor, or a sort of a small-time investor, um, particular level. So if you buy in at fifty dollars, you get this. This. If you buy in at you know five hundred dollars, you get a lot more. And these projects across all sorts of things. I've seen one about um, making a particular like short movie. I've seen one about a comic book. Um, there's obviously the wallets that that people watch was on it. You can seriously. All you need is a credit card, and you can waste a lot of money on Kickstarter. And I suppose the buyer beware part of it is the fact that you are buying. Um, into this, say, person's dream, and they're, they're going to hopefully deliver, but there's no guarantees. It's not a, um, a fact where you can already buy something that's existing. It's all stuff that's sort of in the future. So you've got to be very careful that you are picking um, things that you're confident that are going to deliver. But it's a cool way, and, and some of the ones have absolutely taken off where people have wanted quite a small um, investment and have had just a mountain of interest in it. Yeah, uh, that I mean, watch one I remember was one of the first. Yeah, the, ones pe- I saw the people the people watch just you know went absolutely nuts. And where there are really unique ideas, you know, well priced and so on, then uh, then often they go really well. But often they're quite niche uh, type things as well. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a very cool concept. There are other there are other sites 
online that allow this sort of crowdfunding, but uh, you know, Kickstarter's the one that gets most certainly gets most of the attention. Maybe we could Kickstarter our next America's Cup thing. Maybe we could. Be a good way to get around it. So if you're really into America's Cup, you could kick off a Kickstarter for that. Only going to cost us what? Is a hundred million or something ridiculous? Yeah, not much. Just uh, a small change. Yeah, po- pocket, pocket, pocket change. No, I'm sure. I, I'm I sure. think that's that's probably in the war chest area, actually. So uh, no, that's that that might require a little bit more than Kickstarter. Hey, um, one one other thing that does relate to New Zealand that I know some of our listeners have been have been uh, very keen on getting their hands on is the new iPhone five S. Uh, with its uh, funky uh, fingerprint reader and and so on. Uh, now we had heard some uh, some noises that uh, no one else in the media sort of got their seemed to get their hands on, which was around a um, a date of tenth of October, possibly for the iPhone 5s. Well, we've got the rest of the information now. Uh, the tenth of October was the date in which Apple last week confirmed when the launch of the iPhone 5S would be. Uh, and it is this month, October 25, the iPhone 5S and 5C uh, become available in uh, in New Zealand. Uh, pricing, uh, $1,049 is the, is the starter price for the 5S. That's a 16 gig model. And then up from there uh, to $1,349 for the uh, 64 gig. And it's $899 for the uh, 16 gig of the iPhone 5C or 1049 for the 32 gig uh, model. So yes, that will be uh, that'll be with us in uh, what are we talking uh, late late next week uh, Friday Friday next week. So it's not far off uh, not far off at all. Uh, and also the word is uh, October 22nd. We're going to see all sorts of other things uh, coming through from uh, from Apple. So. What's the space in terms of tablets, uh, in terms of OS X, uh, Mavericks? Uh, there's, there, there's, yeah, potentially a, a bunch of things that we will uh, we'll see hit next week from from Apple. So uh, if you're if you're keen on Apple stuff, then uh, then then keep your keep your ear to the ground. And uh, we'll be watching. Uh, we'll be watching it pretty pretty closely, and uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about those uh, next week because uh, yeah, we expect them to be uh, hopefully be hitting the ground around that time. Uh, Nate, I think that brings us to uh, to the end of the show. Thank you very much for uh, for joining me. That's right, filled in for two guests. Should be getting double the pay, I think. Oh, okay, sure. How sure. does that sound? Yeah, sounds good. Um, now, where do we find you online, mate? Uh, pretty easy. I'm just Nate on Twitter. And um, you can find me. I, blo- I actually haven't blogged on Geekzone for ages because I've been too busy playing GTA 5. Uh, but you can find my blog on Geekzone or you can go to Nate Dunn. That's D-U-N-N.com to Excellent. find me as well. Good, good, good. Uh, and you can track me down online, Paul Spain, on most of the various social networks, uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Google Plus even. Uh, so uh, yeah feel free to hit me up on those uh, you can drop us a line uh, at NZ Tech Podcast as well on Twitter or through any of the social media um, or feedback at nztechpodcast.com if you'd like to email us uh, so always good to uh, good good to hear from uh, from listeners so uh, do do feel free to, uh, to to hit us up anytime uh, if you've got any suggestions things you like or dislike about uh, about the New Zealand Tech Podcast feel free to uh, to hit us up there and as me mentioned earlier a new episode of the New Zealand Business Podcast uh, out this week uh, and that covers off a, a discussion we had recently at the uh, the Kiwi Landing Pad uh, in uh, in San Francisco there and we also have a uh, another New Zealand Business Podcast episode coming through shortly uh, where we hear all about uh, SLI Systems uh, which is another New Zealand uh, tech firm that has done, done very well in Internationally, and has recently listed uh, on the NZX Stock Exchange. So uh, a little bit more there on the business front. Hey, thanks everyone for listening in. We'll catch you all next week for the next episode. See ya.